Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Tuesday to you. This is Roadmap to Heaven, and I'm Adam Wright. It's a beautiful morning here, a cold morning, but a beautiful morning. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is Tuesday morning, October 18th. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network, and I am Adam Wright with you for the hour. You know it's cold outside. When just a few days prior you were doing some routine work on the car, the van, whatever it may be, and you filled the tires just because, you know, you got to do that periodically. And then you go outside, start the car in the morning, and the warning light comes on and says, warning, low tire pressure. Now, I know for a fact that I don't have a leak, a nail, or anything like that in the tire. You know, filling it last week was because, oh, it's been a while since we've done that, and uh, we've driven a while, and I just like to check those things out, and I was down maybe a PSI or two at the max, you know, and then today it was cold enough that it was really down, and then we'll go inflate them, and that'll be the end of that. Already had to do that with one vehicle, doing it with the second one. That's how cold it is outside. Today on the show, we are going to continue talking with Doug Barry about how to break free of vices and the role that... Uh, humility is going to play in that. We're also going to be talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby about Halloween. We started this conversation last week, and I look forward to continuing it today. Um, you know, if now is the time. If you haven't made a decision on what you're doing, especially if there's going to be a costume involved, now's the time to be making that decision. Well, what should we wear? And are costumes appropriate? And what should we do? Well, just stay tuned. You'll hear that later with Father Jeffrey Kirby and I. Plus, we've got the catechist for you today, the Daily Dose of Encouragement and more. Let us go now to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Luke the Evangelist. Born in Antioch, it's generally accepted that Luke was a Greek physician who converted to Christianity. That makes Luke the only Gentile among the apostles and gives him a unique voice which speaks to us through the gospel and the acts of the apostles. Luke is responsible for roughly one quarter of the New Testament. Bible scholars say Luke appears to have joined Paul at Philippi, which is where he shows up in Acts, and tradition holds that Luke was a painter and especially fond of painting the child Jesus and the Blessed Mother, including the image of Our Lady of Chestahova, more commonly referred to as the Black Madonna. How Luke died is not clear. Most say he was martyred, but some say he died while writing the Gospel. It is known he was 84 years old and living in Greece when he went to heaven. Today, we'll hear from Luke as he tells us how Jesus deployed his disciples while at the same time calling for more to spread the Gospel. The Lord Jesus appointed 72 disciples whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out more laborers for his harvest. So let's do as Jesus commanded. St. Luke, please pray for us and for more holy men and women of God to help the Lord harvest through religious vocations. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We're talking this week with Doug Berry about breaking out of vices in our life. And Doug, yesterday we were talking about examination and humility and the metanoia experience, that humbleness to recognize I'm in deep and I'm over my head and this is bad for me and I need to let this go or the consequences are going to be dire. And that can be the turning point. I think most of us have that story in our lives. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes the whole world could be shouting at us, what you're doing is wrong. And as you shared yesterday in the story about your father, sometimes we just don't believe that. We say, oh, no, I'm not in a problem here. There's nothing. Nothing's wrong here. No problem to see here. Humility sometimes means we have to trust that if we recognize that our Lord gave us the church and the church is saying, don't do this, whether it's contraception, teachings on relationships, teachings on marriage, teachings on the moral life, teachings on the virtues, you know, teachings on mortal sin, that this is a mortal sin. We may not see why, but we have to have that humility to trust without having had that conversion to say, all right, it's our Lord and his church, and it's Adam Wright. Who do we think is going to win in the end if we're just using reason and not emotion here? Yeah, probably Adam, because Adam is just all-knowing and all-seeing, right? No, that's how we look at it, though, isn't it? We run into those moments where we've, we've all done it probably in one way or another on one level or another where we just think, ah, the church, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Church has been around 2,000 years. There, there's a reason why it's still here. It wouldn't be here if it was run by men. It would have fallen apart a long time ago. We need to realize that there's something divine in this whole picture. And so having the trust to know that there's a guidance that comes through the church by God, there is still something of the Holy Spirit that's guiding through the teachings of the church. Having trust that there is an order there, that there is a guidance there, that there is a help there. One of the things that we want to emphasize about dealing with vice and getting out of vice is it's a painful place to be. It's not a comfortable place. And the church, in her great beauty and wisdom, is about mercy. It's about mercy and strength to overcome the vice. It's not about condemnation. That can come at the end if we choose of our own free will to continue to reject until the day we die. But the understanding that God gives us the faith, the church in this world, for us to trust in, to lean on, to benefit from the great nurturing that comes from the church in these moments of vice. Anybody listening right now, look, you've got a vice you're dealing with. We all do to some degree. Could be minor, could be major. There could be many, there could be few. But we're dealing with these temptations, these attacks, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's very easy to get caught up to some degree, again, small or big, in a vice. God's mercy and our our, the love of Our Lady, and, and, and we'll talk more about her, I know, tomorrow. The trust that we need to have here in this beautiful institution of the church that strives so much to give us all that is necessary, God's grace through the teachings of the church, to help us be free of this vice. Whatever the vice is, it is not comfortable. It does not make us feel complete and full and whole. This is not the way we're designed to live in vice. So having trust in what God has done and is trying to do through the church and through the good faithful people in the church, good priests in the confessional, how many times do we go to the confessional? 
for the same sin over and over and over. I mean, Adam, I'll put my hand up. I'm one of those guys over my years. You know, you go sometimes for the same struggles, you know, any of the seven deadly sins, you name it. You know, we could go probably for the sin of sloth almost every day, you know, or gossip or, or anger, you name it. And I remember a priest one time, great foreign accent. I don't even know where he was from exactly. I just remember he had this, this wonderful calming voice behind the screen and I would go to confession to him. And every single time he would start off with Jesus is merciful. And the way he said that gave me trust, trust in the sacrament, trust in that moment. And I'll say this last thing too. I went to confession one time. I said to the priest behind the screen there, I said, father, I'm really struggling with hope. I just don't think I have any more hope. And all he said to me right away was, then why are you here? Why are you in the confessional? Because the confessional is about hope. It's about trust. So no matter what the vice is, the hope, the trust that comes from the church is there. Clearly, the Holy Spirit is doing this. It's a difficult thing to trust, and we don't want to make a pretense about it that living a spiritual life of holiness is an easy task. In fact, our Lord in the gospel gives a teaching, and what does the gospel say? There were many that found this teaching hard and walked away sad. Doug and I don't want you to walk away. We don't want you to be sad, but we don't want to paint this with you know a rosy picture all the time. It's going to be hard, so let's buckle down. Let's pray. Let's do it together. Let's have the humility to recognize that sometimes we may not see it as wrong, but our Lord's telling us it's wrong, and we need to get out of it. So, Doug, yeah. tomorrow I think we're going to talk a little bit more about hope, too, and uh, the great advocate we have as we endeavor to do this. Until then, have a great day, my friend. You too, brother. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Well, we do. We have a cataquiz question for you today. I told you that at the top of the show, and we'll go to it now. In common tradition in our church... Each of the four evangelists has a symbol associated with them. And I'll even, I'll even give you some clues on this here. St. Matthew is represented by a divine man. St. Mark is represented by a winged lion. And St. John is represented by a rising eagle. But what about St. Luke, who we celebrate today? What is St. Luke represented by? Do you know? And do you know why? Well, St. Luke is represented by a winged ox, and St. Irenaeus in his Against Heresies uh, 11 writes about this, and he says the winged ox represents St. Luke. Oxen were used in temple sacrifices. Uh, for instance, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Jerusalem, an ox and a fatling were sacrificed every six steps. Now, when you read the Gospel of St. Luke, it begins with the announcement of the birth of St. John the Baptizer to his father, the priest Zechariah, who was doing what? Offering sacrifice in the temple. Offering sacrifice in the temple. And St. Luke also includes the parable of the prodigal son, in which what? The fattened calf is slaughtered, not only to celebrate the younger son's return, but to foreshadow the joy we have in receiving reconciliation. It's uh, wonderful. So, that is the winged ox. Also, did you know that because of that, in some traditions, St. Luke is one of the nine patron saints of butchers. 
So think of that today. Maybe if you go to get some fresh meat from the butcher shop and wish your butcher a happy feast of St. Luke. Now, St. Matthew represented by a divine man, and just in case you're wondering on these other ways, because the gospel begins with the lineage of our Lord and all the way through his incarnation and birth. We think of those words at the beginning of the gospel of Matthew, verse 18. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. And then we go through the lineage. Also, St. Irenaeus said that uh, Matthew is the gospel of his humanity, for which reason it is, too, that the character of a humble and meek man is kept up through the whole gospel. Of course, our Lord being a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature, um, St. Irenaeus saying that St. Matthew really shed some light on the the humanity of our Lord. St. Mark represented by a winged lion referencing the prophet Isaiah at the beginning of the gospel. Here begins the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In Isaiah, the prophet, it is written, I send my messenger before you to prepare your way, a herald's voice crying in the desert, make ready the way of the Lord, clear him a straight path. The voice in the desert crying reminds us of what? The roar of a lion. And of course, St. John, the rising eagle, and they say it's because, you know, St. Irenaeus says it's because of how lofty John's gospel is, in particular the prologue. And, you know, there's more to it than that, but we're going to run out of time here very quickly. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven and get ready to talk to Father Jeffrey Kirby. And Father's going to be speaking with us about Halloween and how do we put the hallow back in Halloween and what does that even mean? You might be saying to yourself, Well, stay tuned and you'll find that out right here. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Last week, we spoke with Father Jeffrey Kirby about our great older siblings, the saints, and it was a setup for the conversation we're having this week, putting the hallow back in Halloween. And Father, I don't remember how old I was, but I know it was either those preteen years or teenage years where it finally clicked. You know, in the Our Father, we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we have this holiday we call Halloween. I wonder if the two of those are related. And it turns out, yes, they are. Hallow actually is the root word, and it has a meaning. So let's start there. When we talk about putting the hallow back in Halloween, what are we talking about? Yeah, so hallow is just an older term for for holiness. So it's basically a reference to the glory that we are called and invited to share that God has for eternity. So glory, holiness, it is pursuing the path in order to be like God in Jesus Christ. Now, when I think of Halloween, I think of all of those decisions I had to make as a kid that my kids are making now. You know, do I want to be a cowboy? Do I want to be a king? Do I want to be a knight? Do I want to be a ghoul? Do I want to be a goblin? Do I want to be this movie character or that famous person? One of the things I worry about the most is we think of it as very innocuous. But when we talk about the holy in Halloween, it also implies that there could be another side of this that we don't want to get into, and that is the unholy. And I used to think it was okay to joke around about ghouls and ghosts and goblins, but we live in a world of spiritual warfare actively at play in our lives, and we don't want to get into the demonic. So not to be too much of a downer, I wonder if we could talk about that for a second, that why it's important not to dabble in those things like the occult or the demons with Halloween or give them any attention and the danger that could be for us. Yes, yes, I think we have to be, in our day, more sensitive and 
alert and aware of, as we're talking about in terms of the spiritual battle and the presence of bad spirits. And again, Adam, to your point, like this isn't to exaggerate or to scare anyone or, or to say there's a demon hiding under, uh, under every rock. But for us to be aware that this is real, that there are bad spirits who, who seek to, to hurt us, who want to distract us, who want to remove us from the grace of God. And, and the more we create openness in our hearts and our culture for their work, they will work. So I think that, you know, with Halloween, we have to be careful that maybe, you know, in a stronger Christian civilization, there was a time to kind of dress up like demons, almost like scare the demons. That was the original idea when in the Middle Ages people dressed up as demons. It was to scare the demons away. And, of course, it was a robust Catholic Christian culture at the time. In our day where we have such secularism and outright witchcraft and openness to the occult and so on, I think that we have to be very careful. And even the idea that, well, the reason why children historically would dress up as demons and stuff was to scare them away is, is kind of gone. And really, I, I don't think we should try to retrieve that, because instead, perhaps the more noble custom is to have Christian children dressed up as Christian saints or angels or more edifying figures. You know, first, will it, not only will it strengthen the Christian home and give better witness and make them stronger in terms of the spiritual battle, but... Also, what a powerful witness to have Christian children out and about in their neighborhoods dressed up as saints and holy ones. You know, I like to see a few more angels on the street, <laughs> good angels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think of St. John Vianney, the Curie of ours, and there's a story, I don't know if you've heard this, that there was a particular demon trying to go after him, and there were all these noises in the rectory. So the men of the village were like, Father, we're going to come keep watch in the rectory so that you can get a night's sleep, and that the demon started pounding on the walls and this and that, and all the men ran away scared. And here comes St. John Vianney, and he's like, oh, it's you. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so you want to scare a demon, dress up like the Curie of ours, and that, that's a good way to maybe do that. But, Father, last week we talked about our saints, and we gave everyone that homework to go find out who your patron saints are. And that you touched on that briefly for a moment, that that could be a really great opportunity, one, to strengthen our homes as houses of faith, but two, to go out and witness to the world. I mean, I think of one of my favorite saints, St. Saint Philip Neri. I've been growing a beard for a while here. I could shave half of it off just like he did and dress up like St. Philip Neri. And I guarantee that's going to be a conversation starter anywhere I go. <laughs> we could be ready to go out there, not only be dressed like these saints, but when they say, oh, sweetheart, who are you? You know, the children could be ready to give maybe just a little two-sentence catechesis. I'm the saint. Here's what they did. Thanks for the candy. Yes, amen. And as you indicated, you have to ask questions. You see a child walking around dressed as St. Lucy with a plate and her eyes on the plate, or you know, St. Dennis with his head, you know, a talking head and so on, <laughs> you know, powerful accounts we have of the saints. Like, why, why would we not dive into this? And, and I'll say this, Adam, in the early Church, as the faith became more stabilized, some of our early fathers challenged Christian parents. And you can just imagine, third and fourth century, they were challenging Christian parents because the Christian parents were still telling the stories of the myths of Greece and Rome. And the fathers challenged them and said, you know, stop telling these myths to your children. Instead, start telling them the stories from the Scriptures. And in particular, St. John Damascus and St. John Chrysostom have whole instructions on how to do it, like practical, almost like pedagogical lessons for parents on how to do this. So you can imagine if that's the 3rd and 4th century, here in our day, we're almost repeating the same thing, which is don't follow the culture, don't have your children dress up as witches and, and demons and so on. Instead, no, like, dive into the, the Scriptures, dive into the spiritual tradition of the Church, and allow your 
children to strengthen the Christian home, but also give witness to our saints, our tradition, our holy ones. Amen. Well, you may be asking yourself, Father Kirby, Adam, why are you talking about this so early? We've got a week or two before Halloween here. Here's the deal. I don't want you to hear this the week of Halloween and say, that's a great idea. I wish I would have had that two weeks ago. I could have maybe done something. That's why we're talking about it now. And I'm going to be the first to say, and my wife will make fun of me for this, but she also knows it's true that if I can sew a costume together, which I did the year I went as St. Michael the Archangel about 10, 12 years ago, if I can sew a costume together, think of what you can do, because I'm the worst at being crafty and, and making things like that. But it's a great goal for us. So maybe spend the next couple of weeks putting that together with the kids, the grandkids, the nieces, the nephews, whoever it is in your life to uh, help them put the hallow back in Halloween. Father Kirby, I want to thank you for this conversation. As usual, could you lead us in prayer, please? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for the beauty and the power of your grace. We thank you for our older brothers and sisters, the saints. We ask that you continue to bless us. May you help us, Father, to bring the hallow back into Halloween and to bring that holiness into all the aspects of our life. And we ask this and all good things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Kirby, thanks for being with us. Friends, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. Lest you think that this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement is just for children, I would remind you of the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, verse 16. Jesus, however, called the children to himself and said, Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you. Whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. So as the saying goes, whether you're a child age of six or 99, Today's Daily Dose of Encouragement is for you. Patty, take it away. Well, we're talking specifically to school-aged children. Just I'm trying to give some encouragement for you of how you can praise, reverence, and serve God and have active, full participation in Mass. Little reminders that all of us need sometime. But I do want to talk to children when you're going, specifically those of you who are going to Catholic school Mass or Mass on Sunday with your family. Little reminders. Today... I want to encourage you, when you enter church, every time you enter church, to do two physical gestures with meaning, with meaning. The first one, touch the holy water, the holy water font, maybe it's the baptismal font in your church or a little holy water font at the doorway, with your right hand and make the sign of the cross slowly. I always say a little prayer. I say something like this, bless me, Lord, with this holy water and protect me from all evil. And then I always thank God for my baptism. I say, thank you, Lord, for my baptism. Help me to live out my baptismal promises. So every time you dip your hand in the baptismal font and make the sign of the cross, remember your baptism and thank God for it, that he has adopted you as his son or daughter. Secondly, when you enter church and you're about to enter the pew, genuflect with meaning. If you are physically able, go all the way down to the floor on your right knee. Sometimes I see children going down on their left knee or only going down halfway. Again, if there's a reason you can't, of course, I understand. But if you can, please go all the way down on your right knee and then pause. 
look at the tabernacle and say a little prayer. Again, here's what I say. Thank you, Jesus, that you are physically present in this church. Help me to fully participate in this mass and praise you with my whole being. That's what I say when I genuflect, when I'm about to enter the pew. Just a little prayer. These are just, again, some suggestions and encouragement for all of us, but particularly those school-aged children this week. I hope that helps. I always get a kick out of going over those things with my children, and it's just such a joy to watch them make the sign of the cross with the wrong hand or genuflect on the wrong knee, and such a great opportunity to teach them. So, Patty, I'd like to thank you for this reminder today. Are you young? Are you a professional? And are you striving to live your Catholic faith? If so, you want to tune in tomorrow to Roadmap to Heaven when we'll be talking with Joe Griesbauer from Young Catholic Professionals, where we have young Catholics in the working world striving to be saints. Also tomorrow, we're going to hear from the father of a focus missionary, Andy Jocelyn, and we'll continue to learn about humility and how humility can help us break free from Vice. So that's all on tomorrow's show, Roadmap to Heaven. We're still in the month of October here. We've got, you know, as I'm looking at the calendar now, just shy of two weeks. We we are exactly two weeks away from All Saints Day, which means we have two weeks left devoted to this month of the rosary. And here's the thing. You know, when you devote yourself to something like this, it's not with the intention of I'm going to stop. It's with this is the beginning of the training. So if this is the first month in your life that you've ever started praying that daily rosary, take heart, keep going with it. That's the encouragement. You know, Don't let October be the only month of the year that you pray the rosary with great frequency. In fact, pray it every day. You know, I, I can't go back to this enough. Our Lady of Fatima asked us to do it every day. Now, if that's not enough for you, though, look at all of the Marian apparitions since then. And what's a common thread about them? Pray the rosary. Now, look before that. Look at some of the greatest trials in human history. Going back to the time of St. Dominic, what do they all have in common? They're ready to go assisting the faithful was the Blessed Mother. And we prayed through her intercession by praying what? The rosary. So let this be an everyday thing. Let October send you forth into the rest of the year and the rest of this year into the rest of next year, into all of next year, praying that rosary each and every day. We can't say it enough. You probably say, you say that too much. No, no, every day, every day. It's not optional. It's, it's vital. It's necessary. I read this great quote yesterday from St. Louis de Montfort. I absolutely loved it. And it, it was about the power of praying that daily rosary. I'm going to pull it up here for you because it really is that good. St. Louis de Montfort said, never will anyone who says his rosary every day be led astray. This is a statement that I would gladly sign with my blood. Think about how many statements you would gladly sign with your blood and St. Louis de Montfort's ready to sign that one. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. I like the way Bishop Hugh Doyle says it, too. You can't persist in praying the rosary and in mortal sin. To paraphrase Bishop Hugh Doyle, you'll give up one or the other. 
If you try to do both, you can't. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.